0: Hello and welcome to This Is Podcast and today we've got a very special guest today, a renowned journalist and commentator uh, Sandeep Mishra. Hello Sandeep, how are you sir?
1: I'm fine Bharat, I'm fine. Thank you for having me on. It's, it's, it's really wonderful to be on this.
0: No, The pleasure is mine and I've been so looking forward to speaking to you after reading uh, your books uh, but we'll come to that in a second. Um, where do we find you in the world today?
1: Well, I'm in at this moment of time um, in Canada, in Mississauga, which I guess a lot of people would know nearby Toronto itself. So um, I came in here for some work, a little bit of business that uh, was establishing here. And then, uh, well, it's everything just turned total, everything turned upside down. And, you know, everybody's waiting everywhere for the COVID to go away. Uh keep hearing about Donald Trump saying it's going to vanish, it's going to vanish, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I guess that's, that's not the case.
0: Uh, unfortunately, um, well, better not say anything political about Mr. Trump, but, um, <laughs> I know, I know. but it's very tempting to uh, <laughs> make uh, <laughs> comments on the things he says, but uh, where do we begin? But anyway, uh, to lighter note, um, so you're hoping to go back home soon, fingers crossed. Um, it's, it's a question that I've asked um, pretty much everybody I've interviewed because it's the sort of year. Uh, how is the COVID situation in Canada?
1: I think it's, it's under control for the last uh, couple of months. Uh, the office that I have here, I, I'm, I'm going there quite regularly almost every day. And I've been traveling a bit in and around. Like yesterday, i driven down to London a few days before in and around Oakville, a place called Markham. So, uh, you see more and more, more and more traffic on the roads, which is actually the sign that things are quite looking up. So, um, the rest of the stuff is also, I think, uh, as I said, uh, movie halls, restaurants, most of them are opening up. Uh, Last week, the patios had opened up, but now I think uh, even the dining services inside. In fact, yesterday, I had gone to Starbucks and uh, I asked them, have you opened up? And they said, yes, but... Out of all those 10, 12 tables, I think only one was occupied and the rest was sitting outside. So that little bit of fear is still around. I I think that's going to take a little more time.
0: Yeah, to bring the confidence back, to bring people back uh, in a safe environment Yeah, that will take time. Um, But but the golf
1: courses are full. The golf courses are all full for the last three to four weeks. In fact, where I stay, it's just walking distance from here. One golf course. And... There was a rush to get in. I mean, everybody, of course, the distancing was there, but uh, it's full. I mean, and for the last three weeks, except for probably today, it rained a bit. It's been extremely sunny.
0: Beautiful. So the weather's improving and um, things are getting a little bit back to normal. That's good to hear where you are in Canada. Uh, Obviously, we hope the same for the rest of the world as soon as possible. Uh, But it is uh, going to be a while before people are feeling confident, as you say. Um, and before I talk about the two books, I just want to talk about yourself because um, you're an incredible uh, sports journalist. I have been for a, a while now. Um, I just want to know how, you, because I'll be honest with you. With me, hockey is my passion. Um, I'm a huge uh, follower of hockey. I love. Uh, I, uh, that's my favourite sport. Uh, in terms of India, I know I do a lot of podcasts around cricket and football, especially football. Uh, but hockey is, I don't know, it has a special place in my heart. How did your love affair with hockey
1: start? Um, uh, its I mean, I used to play in school. I, I come from Orissa, from uh, which you know now is virtually the centre for hockey. And uh, I schooled in a place called Raurkela where um, there wasn't much hockey inside Raurkela, but on the outskirts where you have places like Panposh and Sundargarh you know, which are massive centers. And uh, we somehow managed, used to manage to reach the final of the schools hockey. And there we used to meet up with one of the posh teams, you know, with all these incredible talented um, Adivasi players and, and all of that. And we used to get trashed 14 by 15, 16 <laughs> goals, you know, at times. So that's where it all began. But uh, I never actually realized while I was doing college that I would be getting into journalism. But, Uh, At the back of the mind, it was always there. So after I finished my master's and all, and I came down to Delhi. So the first thing I sought out was how to start doing sports writing. And that's how I got my first internship and a job. And suddenly in front of me, there was the 1989-90 Asia Cup, which was in Delhi. And India-Pakistan, you know, the the final way we lost 2-0 in the final. And... um, and right after that was the 90 World Cup. And I just told my office, my office, uh, the Patriot, uh, which had nurtured a lot of journalists uh, during the 90s and the 80s, of course, before I joined there as an intern, I just asked them, so are you not sending anybody to Lahore for the World Cup? And they said, no, 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 we are not sending anybody. So I said, oh, well, I can, you know, and I'll spend my own money and I'll just go cover it.
0: Wow.
1: And Lahore was different than... It's not what it is now, in the sense, the relationships between both the countries. Mm -hmm. And I went by train. And whatever I saw in Lahore, you know, the 90 World Cup, Holland versus Pakistan, 85,000 people in the stadium for the final. Bovalander scoring all those goals. Shahbaz, Ahmed, Wasim, Feroz, Tahir, Zaman. I mean, you name them, they were all there, those greats.
0: And then I was hooked.
1: And there was nothing else I could do. I was just hooked to the sport.
0: And um, obviously, a huge uh, impact that World Cup had and going to watch uh, two teams at the height of their uh, prowess in hockey. But in terms of India, you weren't um, having uh, a good time following India. That wasn't the best time to start um, following India around in world tournaments. Um, How was that side of it for you in terms of seeing the country struggle?
1: Well, um, when I saw them at the Asia Cup, I thought you know India did pretty well. I think we beat Korea by five goals in the semi-final. And at that time, you never knew the internal stuff that was happening in the team or the federation. You were just into journalism, so everything was—I wouldn't say fantasy, but everything looked good. You know, when when you saw players, midfielders like Vivek play, you know, amazing stuff. Singh, Dhanraj Pillai, he was just coming up. Even Edward Arana was coming up. Jude Felix was coming up at that time. So these were the juniors you were seeing who were breaking into the senior side and these were the guys who broke into the 90 Lahore World Cup team. And then suddenly the World Cup was in front and you saw Germany mm. and you saw Holland and, you know, these big teams. You even saw Spain at that time, really, you know. But and at that time you realized that there was enough of a gap already you know 86 you would also remember we 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 finished last in last. the world cup 11th yes, 12th in London. and within four years pakistan had turned it around you know they were in the final it was a phenomenal team i mean a lot of people you know i'll just digress a bit a lot of people ask me after eight consecutive world cups that i've covered and all these years of doing hockey which is the best player in your i mean according to me i mean i always say shahbaz i haven't seen the rest honestly i've seen shahid but at the end of his career i've seen zafar at the end of his career i've seen a lot of good players internationally but all of them at the end of their careers i saw shahbaz in his prime and i have never seen anything like it never i've never seen like the moment he used to have the ball and he used to, i never used i never used the word he used to run with the ball he galloped with it and when he started galloping, you could see the crowd coming up, you know, standing up as he as he went towards the striking circle. That was a phenomenal team and a phenomenal
0: That must be quite special because the stadiums were packed in those days and the atmosphere just adds to the occasion.
1: 94 World Cup Final, I can never forget. I mean, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Shahbaz was slightly injured from the semi-final and onwards, but... I mean, the kind of play that Pakistan had. I mean, with a goalkeeper like Mansoor Ahmed, Tahir was a technically extremely smart player. Uh, Underrated quite a bit because that team was phenomenally good. And Mm -hmm. then in the final, of course, I can never forget Asif Bajwa. You know, they introduced him. They never played him throughout the tournament too much. Nobody knew about him. And then suddenly Asif Bajwa in the final as a write-out… He broke the Dutch completely. He completely shattered them at the defence. That's where guys like Wasim, Shahbaz, Tahir, all these guys were phenomenal in that sense.
0: Were you surprised by the result in the final? Having said um, what a team that Pakistan team was.
1: Oh, you're talking the 94 final?
0: Uh, d- Sorry, the whole final, the first World Cup you covered in 1990. Exactly.
1: No, I was shocked because I thought these guys are going to win, number one, when you have 85,000 fans packed in, you know. And they were there since 5 a.m. in the morning. I mean, the queues were there. We as journalists, and that was my first experience abroad. And we were told by the Pakistan Federation and the Pakistan media guys that do come in by nine. And the final was at three or something like that, you know. So I said, 9 o'clock in the morning, what are you going to do? He said, you won't find a way in. Were, and exactly that's what happened. I mean, it's, it was amazing. 85, I've never seen that kind of a crowd. I mean, neither have I seen them in cricket and neither have I seen them in hockey ever. That was amazing. I mean, that's one afternoon's experience that set the tone for me. Like you asked me in the start, what, why hockey? It was those kind of matches that I saw initially that said that, oh man, this is a sport. You know, I mean, this is excitement. And
0: uh, I believe, I don't know where I read it from, but it just when you mentioned Sylvarez's name, I don't know if it was true or not, or if this is where I'm getting this from the back of my brain, but he was called the Maradona of uh, hockey. He had that yeah. much skill, that much. He was at a different level to
1: all the um, other players of his generation. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I have always maintained, you know, it's always that one player that can... I mean, you, the moment you say Maradona, you remember that World Cup that Argentina won. Yes. Yeah. You, you, you can say it is a team effort and all of that. I still believe it was Maradona. Mm. Same way, 90 and 94, you can keep talking about the rest of the players in that Pakistan team. I would always put my hand up and say it was Shahbaz. And you can keep talking about so many Dutch players... The 90 World Cup final was Flores' job over Bovalanda, you know. Mm. He wouldn't have scored, Pakistan would have won. But that's the difference. That's the difference between one great player and another great player and those two competing on a hockey field. One with penalty corners and one trying to push a midfield with all those forwards. I mean, it was an amazing sight.
0: And... um We did slightly digress but it was quite right uh, to just hear about you and I can hear from your voice that you you still remember that day in Lahore in the final quite vividly and from how you've uh, spoken about Shabazz uh, watching him play you were lucky enough to do that Um, but if we refocus to um, the sport in India and you were saying from the outside it looked rosy, it looked nice there's a quote in 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 the book uh, Muhammad of Benares that's you know, and this was my perception that it was AstroTurf that killed
1: hockey in India. but you think it was cricket? Um, Eighty-three. You know, we 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 speak about seventy-five World Cup. If you had a smart federation, the seventy-five World Cup could have turned into something much much bigger for the sport. But the federation wasn't smart, and neither are they now. A little smarter now, of course, but not back then. The same was the case. In a way, I don't blame cricket, you know. I mean, you are in England. In Europe, football is the big game. It's the big sport. You can do whatever you want. I mean, that's where the big money is. Similarly, in India, cricket is going to take that much of space. But it doesn't mean that hockey cannot have that space. The players, the talent, the talent pool never got exploited in that sense from the federations, from the kind of coaches we, we had. I just wish there was a continuity. You know, there's always a structure in sport. We see that constantly all over the place. If the structure is not there, nothing's mm. going to work. And that's exactly what happened with hockey. But having said that, 94 World Cup Sydney, KPS has gilded one good job, get Cedric in. He brought around a team who Played wonderful hockey. It was, I think, India-Holland. Holland Holland won 4-2. But that match, according to a lot of people, in Sydney, in the World Cup, at that time, was one of the best matches the crowd ever saw. India did lose, but they were dominating at stages. Jude Felix had one of his fantastic games. Dhanraj was great. I think in the... I'm forgetting the defence. But Subaya was, of course, there as goalkeeper. You had Edward Arana. I mean... That's the time when he was, ro- he was the roving forward. There was just one guy up front, and that was Edward Arana. And that's the first time we saw Cedric using some skill as a coach, which Indians have, were never used to, you know, a skilled coach. And then suddenly Cedric was taken out, and then you know the history. I mean, 25 coaches, 26 coaches in 25 years, that says it all.
0: Yeah, that, that that was the start and subject. Um, I think you mentioned and I agree with you in the sense that he's the first sort of tactical European type coach that we had. Would you agree with that? He brought Absolutely, a bit of-
1: absolutely. I still remember he dropped Pargat Singh. It raised a furore at that time. You know, how could you have dropped Pargat Singh? He was just coming up. And then Pargat was brought in back, I think for the next Olympic Games, which is again a surprise because um, on this I can say, Cedric didn't want Purgat. He didn't want Purgat in the team. Now, the reasons could be whether Purgat had become slower or whether Purgat was not in that team that Cedric wanted to pick. And every coach has his pick, you know, irrespective of mm. whoever that coach came before or after Cedric. And uh, a lot of people say that in Atlanta, uh, KPS brought Purgat in, and Cedric didn't want him in. That's the time when Dilip Thirki made his debut. In
0: '96, and Cedric, um, I mean, we'll talk about it. And in a way, I think we should now, in terms of uh, the first book uh, that I read uh, that you wrote was uh, "Forgive Me, Emma." And I, um, when I saw the title, you know, I was a little bit curious as to where the title came from. And when I found out the story, um, it really did uh, strike a chord. Um, I don't know if you want to share as to where that uh, story comes from, because it, it's it, it is very sad and a bit of an insight into. the can um, we uh, uh
1: Which one are you referring to?
0: Forgive me, Ama.
1: Yeah, um, that was uh, you know just uh, that draw with uh, Poland, and um, everybody was heartbroken. In fact, I had just closed my laptop down, you know, knowing that the victory was done. You know, we had won one nil, and now India is going to play Pakistan in the semifinals and then suddenly this streak happens with 50 55 or 40 seconds to go and then the goal comes in and it's 1-1 and south korea were sitting in the stadium at that time mm-hmm. they, they, they knew that the game was up but suddenly they, they started celebrating and then they closed down the celebration because they knew that you know oh they've come in because india drew a game that they were not supposed to be you know ha- having a draw there and i didn't want to talk to dhanraj that day I was, myself, heartbroken. I mean, this was a great opportunity to see an Olympic semi-final. You know, all of that that we carry as journalists that, you know, you're going to be watching a particular game, suddenly everything is gone. Mm. The next day I called him up and uh, he came on the phone and then he handed it over to Harinder. Because I think there was a call on the other, on Harinder's phone or somebody else's phone from his mom. Harinder being the coach. Yeah, Harinder was the assistant coach, coach. the chief coach. And uh, Harinder uh, told me that, you know, I, I just... And I could see and I could hear Dhanraj talking and then suddenly he started crying. And I could hear him. And Harinder said, I'm just going over to Dhanraj. And he didn't switch off the phone. The phone was there and I kept hearing dhanraj crying and speaking to his mom that he had failed you know and this was one of those great opportunities and and he kept saying in tamil as uh, which i later translated uh, was forgive me amma you know like you know just forgive me for i i have not accomplished as a player as a son and i haven't given you that olympic semifinal that you so wanted that you should see me playing you know so that was a that was one afternoon that remains that remains as a As a sad moment actually, because you you don't want to see players like this.
0: You don't, but um, that's an incredible, you know. But it also gives you an insight because a lot of players get accused of not having the passion or not caring. But that, you know, brought out to me, you know, they care. They desperately care. They want to win.
1: Yeah, 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 completely. Um
0: so why why the
1: book why why the book on Dunraj? Um I have seen him play his first national championships in Golier where Bombay. again going back to that team, that team had all this all these big players. Edward Mascrinus, if you remember, was the midfielder. Mm-hmm. They were all part of that team that was nurtured by Cedric and they beat Punjab in the final. I still remember that afternoon, I think it was 2-0, 2-1, something like that. And Punjab had a very good team at that point. And I don't remember that one centre-forward of Punjab, who after losing that particular final, decided that enough was enough. And the selectors were overlooking him and he packed his bags and he went off to the States. I've forgotten his name. He said, I don't want to play anymore. Nobody wants to watch me. And here I'm taking Punjab to the final. Even if you have lost to this bunch of really good players who all come from Bombay, And nobody ever heard of him ever again. But that's where I saw Dhanraj. That's where you saw that streak, that brilliance, that run, that speed. You know, and that carried on to the Asia Cup, carried on from 90. uh, Lahore World Cup, it carried on to each World Cup, each Olympic Games, Asian Games. And then suddenly, in 2004, uh, that's where, you know... uh, You actually saw him. I I remember doing that interview with Hanraj.
0: After the last Olympic game. Yeah.
1: Unforgettable. Yeah, I was on the broadcast center somewhere on the roof. And I couldn't handle it in the end. I mean, you know, I I was just lost for words. You know, in television, you have this terrible thing that you need to round off an interview. Mm. (laughs) I just couldn't round the interview off because right next to me is this man who I... Consider probably one of the greatest, a legend in this sport, is sobbing away, you know, and and you're so rattled because you're just not used to players doing that. But that's where his passion was, and and that that passion actually told me that you know, let's write a book, you know, Let, let's do something about this. And it it's it's not about the player itself; it's it's the sport that made me you know get into this whole thing of writing a book on him, and you know because. I, I do believe, you know, like you said, that hockey at that particular stage between 90 and probably for almost 10 years, till we couldn't qualify for Beijing, it really took a massive dip. And the mm. one player who kept the sport propped up was Dhanraj Pele. Because of his play, because of his eccentricity, because of the way he took on the officials, the federation, everybody, he kept the sport in the headline, in the limelight. And that's how the sport survived.
0: And um, I think you answered the question. I was going to get a quote from the book. I think it was um, Sukbir who said that uh, he didn't think that, uh, although Antoine Red was an incredible player, he wasn't legendary, but you obviously think he was one of the legends of our hockey. And we've had a few in our history, but you think he was at that level?
1: Absolutely. I think he was... You know, Dhanraj, um, the, a character like him, and, and what Sukbir and others, even a lot of people at that point of time, he had his run-ins even with Baljeet Singh Dillon. Another another really classy player, I consider, was Baljeet Singh Dillon. And if there was a good coach, and again, I'm coming back to that coach, if you see Dhanraj's play in the 94 Sydney World Cup, it was restrained. He did what Cedric wanted him to do. He didn't run all over the place. You know, wanting the ball or, you know, because he is a character who likes to be all over the game. Mm. But a good coach at that point of time would have brought out another 40% in Dhanraj. And that is something that, that sometimes, you know, I think that did we not see the entirety of Dhanraj's play? I think, I do believe I didn't. A lot of people missed out on that simply because there was nobody to nurture him and put him in the right direction. And take out his strengths and not, you know, just keep on pointing out his faults. I think a lot of people in in Indian hockey did that.
0: And you mentioned that, you know, he wasn't uh, scared to call a spade a spade. And um, I don't think from the book it comes across that he, I don't think he he enjoyed talking to journalists. Um, I think you had a a run-in with him as well. Was he difficult to interview and try and speak to and... Did that reflect his manner on the on the hockey uh, pitch as well?
1: I think he the he the the reason why we had a run in was the youthrec World Cup, Mm. and and then the injury. I think he knew he was carrying an injury, and right in the first game, uh, it was apparent. It was apparent Mm. that he wasn't at his best. He wasn't able to run. The speed wasn't there. So, I think the moment I asked him a question in the press conference and. And do remember, Indian players now, irrespective of the sport, don't like being asked questions. Whether it's a hockey player, a wrestler, a boxer, a cricketer, who would never want to answer a question that comes from which has some form of a critical question or or, or any form of criticism. I think Dhanraj reacted to that. And even later, a day later, he was angry. I think he was more angry that how could he ask me this question in the press conference? He could have asked me on the side. Mm, All right, okay. So, you know, and I wanted to ask it in the press conference because it was apparent that somebody had hidden it. And I wanted Bhaskaran to also answer it. I mean, even though Bhaskaran later on said that, you know, it wasn't his fault. But I think that's where most of the stuff in Indian hockey was going wrong. From the selector's side, from the coach's side. If a player is injured, don't bring him.
0: No matter who he is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But do, do you think, um, I mean, he had a very tough um, upbringing in Um from a you know relatively poor family, um, and that toughness just kept uh, it was in him all the time. Um, but that's also surprising that somebody from that background has the courage because he was playing with people from big cities, um, big personalities. But he still spoke out if he thought something was wrong.
1: That's exactly, exactly. I think that that courage, that aggressiveness. That thick skin that he had later on, and he slowly, slowly evolved that thick skin as as he went along with the Federation. Seeing so many coaches come and go, so many selectors come and go, so many Federation presidents playing their own game. I think that's where he developed it. And, And if he didn't have that, I don't think he would have lasted beyond two World Cups, two Olympic Games, a couple of tournaments here and there. He would have just faded off. He stood there. He wanted his position. I still, uh, the 2000 Sydney Olympics, he so badly wanted to be captain. He so badly wanted to be captain. And they gave the captaincy to who? To Ramandeep. Not, I don't have anything against the captaincy. But at that point of time, it destroyed him for almost a week. And that was one reason why Harinder was there to... To kind yeah. of tell him, you know, yeah. that, you know, look at the sport, don't look at the captaincy, look at the sport, don't look at the captaincy. But Dhanraj, I still feel rightfully asked, not asked, but he wanted that captaincy at the Olympic Games.
0: Do you think, I mean, he, he had a, um, a couple of uh, run-ins with uh, players as well, like you said earlier. Do you think that held him back being captain or was it simply because of the nature of the federation and some of the powers that be had their favourites? Or I think if, the he comments was, if he I've was diplomatic,
1: if he, if he kind of um, pandered to most of the officials, the sports ministry, the federation, the coaches, he had run-ins with almost everybody, including Cedric. He had run-ins with Rajender also. You know, uh, at the 2003 Amsterdam uh, Champions Trophy, he had run-ins everywhere. And I think that is one reason why KPS didn't give him the captaincy for the 2000 Sydney Olympics. But at that point, I don't know because I have never actually checked with Bhaskaran on this, um, for Sydney at least, that did he or didn't he ever uh, stand up and say that, you know, the the captaincy needs to go to Dhanraj. I mean, in terms of player-player, you know, when, when you look at who's the best in the team right now. And I think at that point, I still believe that if you wouldn't have given it to Dhanraj, I think Dilip Tirki should have been given the captaincy at that stage.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you, I mean, you mentioned um, he became very outspoken, and um, and in the book, the, the it's sort of rumored that he had a hand in the sacking of Cedric during the, um, was it the World Cup in KL in 2002. Do you think he had a hand in that?
1: Oh, when I say a hand, you know, because of his being outspoken and Dhanraj, at that time Jyoti who was the secretary of the Mm. federation. Jyoti wanted Cedric out. And he was speaking to select media. You know, this is not happening. You know, We are going to lose all the matches. Why don't you guys write? Now, that is something very wrong. You can't have a secretary going and meeting select media and telling them. And at the same time, telling players also. Even though, I think you would also remember, Dhanraj had a run-in with Jyoti during the Commonwealth semi-final against Malaysia.
0: Mm. In Kuala Lumpur
1: yeah you know, yeah. yeah he kind of abused him you know all A lack of goals or, or the something <laughs> yeah everything and, and and most of his abuses also at that time when dhanraj used to get angry used to come in this select punjabi words you know <laughs> and and, and jyoti was at the end of it and i mean even that match i mean it was just one of those one of those games you know india had some 14 15 16 chances just couldn't score just couldn't score and at the other end was uh, um, the Malaysian coach, Paul Lisek. Yes.
0: That was
1: the. That was probably the first time Lisek was handling the Malaysian team, and and he knew one chance. That's all he needed, and they got that one chance, and they scored, and India was out. So for Dhanraj, it was it was more of an emotional outburst. And when media asked him that, why are you, you know, is the coach is the coach doing right or wrong in Kuala Lumpur during the World Cup? So he said, like, you know, why why are you not writing about it yourself? Why are you asking me? Why are you asking me all these things? Isn't it obvious there? Isn't it obvious? So he wouldn't say that, but he would probably propel the journalist to writing this particular line that there's something wrong in the coaching. Do
0: you think he had that much influence, though?
1: no i don't think i don't think honestly any player had that much influence in indian hockey none of the players really i mean a lot of people can say pargat had influence and you know some other players had influence i really don't think so a player's influence is only till till you know and none of them are even asked when the teams are selected not even the captain has a say in the indian hockey team and not even now i mean really? the last world cup last world cup what what happened to manpreet i mean he he was he was abused by the CEO of Hockey India inside the player's lounge at the Kalinga Stadium. Give me give me one person who stood up for that. So does the player have any say? If the Indian captain doesn't have a say. So who's going to have a say?
0: It's just that when when you um, read the book, uh, forgive me, Anna, and um, you hear some of the um, controversies that Dhanraj, um, you know, whether it was the incident of... Um, slapping somebody at a, a staff member or um, having uh, a public journalist or the federation, you know, he seemed to have a little bit of um, leeway I, in terms of um, still being selected, even though some things had happened and some other players might have been, you know, that's the last time they would have played for India. Or was he just too good and that's why he was, you couldn't ignore I think, him.
1: um you're right in that. If it if it was a lesser player, let me use the word, a lesser player, he would never have got selected for the team. Never. I think it was Dhanraj. Dhanraj's image. Dhanraj to the fans. Dhanraj of, in terms of a highly skillful player. And there is hardly a coach who would ever say that Dhanraj didn't fit into the Indian team. They would never say that. They would, they would point towards his, oh, you know, he's, he creates a problem. And if the, if the going's good, he's good. If if, if you don't follow mm. what he says sometimes during a game, then it becomes a problem. Those things were there with Dhanraj. But, you know, as I mentioned a little while back, you needed somebody. And the only person at this point of time, I can think that if Rick Charles was there as an Indian coach, I think either Dhanraj would have played longer or his career would have finished. <laughs> Only, only one of the two could have
0: happened. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, you can't take away from the fact that um, he kept hockey alive when he was struggling. And for a player, any player, to play in four World Cups, four Olympic Games, 300 plus in that environment, that says a lot what about are. the man.
1: Huge, huge. And, uh, the other side of the spectrum was Dilip Turki. Classy player, non-controversial, Hmm. Never asking the coach anything, never demanding anything, never wanting anything. And because of the high degree of skill of Dilip Chitki, he survived to play that kind of matches, including Sardar Singh.
0: Hmm. And I believe um, Dilip is doing amazing things in Orissa.
1: Yeah, he's part of the part of that particular committee now. That's going to look at talent in and around Sundargarh. I but I still feel he needs to do more. I think he has the power to do more, and he keeps himself back. His playing days are over. Over. Last time I met him, I told him, "Become controversial now, at least. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least speak up. You know, you have you have so many good players who are not getting into the team. You know, speak up for them." But yeah. I think there's a clash between his political career. And his hockey administration, there is a clash happening.
0: Yes, I believe. um, I think he wants to become an MP. Uh, I think he fought in the last election as well. But just going back to Danraj and um, just to end on something he said. I think he later on said he was heat at the moment. But uh, do you know if his son is playing hockey? Whose son? Danraj. His son? Yeah, because he made a comment that if I have a son, I'll never let him play hockey because of the things Tanraj himself had to go through. And I think he tried to roll back on that comment. So I was just wondering if... Um, well,
1: well, to have a son, he needs to get married first.
0: Right. Okay. So he's not even married yet. Okay. <laughs> he's not should... married
1: yet. I think I think, just... I think uh, the last time I spoke to him was probably a week back about something. Yeah. And uh, and uh, he says, I'm late. ho, yeah. late. I said, what? Late? I said... <laughs> If India couldn't score a goal in the 90th minute or you know, <laughs> whatever, 60th minute, you know, I, I, I guess you can score one in the last minute. So
0: <laughs> no, it's just I was wondering if he'd fallen in, in love again with hockey. And uh, I know he's trying to set up a, a sports uh, academy, a hockey academy. Um, so I, I assume that he's back in love with the sport and wants to put something back.
1: I don't think he can ever get out of the sport, but at the same time, his his patience runs thin, you know. I I think he needs to be a little more at peace with himself. I mean, this is, I'm saying as a journalist, I I, I, I honestly, I don't meet him every week or speak to him. We speak probably now once in a couple of years or so. So, uh, I think he needs to be more at peace with what he's achieved. He's achieved massively. And uh, somewhere along the line, he needs to stop comparing a lot of stuff, what cricketers get and what hockey players get. Because it's just, it's just an impossible battle that you can win. You really can't win on those grounds. At the same time, I think if he really wants to, be, to do something in coaching, he needs to do the levels. He needs to go from, you know, absolute level one, two, three, four, and keep raising himself like Harinder did. You just, just because you're a great doesn't mean that you just become automatically the national coach. No, that's wrong
0: um mm-hmm. yeah um and but it's good to um i mean i'm so glad you wrote this there's not enough sports books uh talking about our oh, uh, the legends we have and i agree with you in that uh, and who am i i'm just a uh, average job but uh, i agree with you that in tarnas bile was a legend i think uh, and uh, the stats we've said and what he uh, did for indian hockey uh, shows that. Uh, but the second book that I really enjoyed with, from yourself is um, a, another brilliant title. Uh, I don't know how long it takes you to come up with these titles, but uh, The <laughs> Muhammad of Benares um, is um, obviously based around Muhammad Shahid, Another one that you, you can justifiably use the word legend um, in a way, in my opinion anyway, but uh, also this book has a lot of stories that I found incredibly Insightful and educative in terms of the path of Indian hockey during that period um, what made you write this book and why the title on this
1: one as well um the 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 sadness of of Shahid passing away, which was i would say sudden abrupt, and suddenly within a week of him being admitted into hospital, you hear that he's no more and that, that's what made me write that piece in the, in the, in the first instance. Um, the, the, the title, for me, it was more like Banaras is the holiest of mm. the Hindu cities, you know, if you yeah. can. Uh, and I hate using words, religion, Hindu, I just don't like it. Mm. And, but for a Muhammad who is the Muhammad of Indian hockey, Ad, coming out from the holiest of the Hindu cities, was mm. fascinating. And uh, believe me, I I don't know if I ever ever will. And if I don't, it's going to be something that remains with me. I wish I could do a bigger, bigger job, um, a a book on, on Shahid, on what really made him stay in Banaras. You know, he was at the heights of his powers. And he had job offers from everywhere to go to any place in the country and settle down. But he always said, you know, that I'm always going to be in Banaras, whatever whatever happens, that is my city. Now, for somebody to say that, that itself is such a fascinating thing to write about. You know, what he found, what so, did Muhammad find in Banaras, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So, so I, I don't know if I ever will, but maybe I'll just try once, you know, I'll surely try it.
0: No, it'd be incredible if it's anything like, um, forgive me, Amar, but Dhanraj and the inside it's an incredible story waiting to be uh, but you also get a very good insight in terms of um, Mohammed in this um, book as well and you had a very special launch with the Indian team in Dhaka for the book
1: oh yeah 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 that was that was a special day I mean um, it just came around and you know suddenly things fell into place and and we had the Indian team out there it was an off day and and the team was also doing well so I guess everybody was more relaxed and and uh, Shude was the new coach. He's just coming from the women's side. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, it was, it was just perfect. I mean, standing up there and speaking to the Indian team, telling them about Muhammad and all of them nodding away because they've heard of him, but they've never seen him play, of course. And uh, yeah, that was a special day. I mean, when you release a book in and in with the hockey players, that becomes really special rather than anything else
0: yeah absolutely and um, it, it motivates them as well seeing uh, books about their sport and the legends that they've heard and maybe in some cases seen and if they're lucky enough to have played with so i can imagine that being that launch being special for them as well but one of the quotes from the book that i really and i want to answer, ask you about this is that um mohammed says you've got to play from the heart do you think we've still got that in ourselves in in the hockey we play we play from the heart or is that gone is that from back in the day the golden age of Indian Hockey, as it were. Uh, Are you referring to the present team? Yeah. Because this. I think the question to uh, Mohamed Chahid was, you know, um, how does he play, you know, his way of playing hockey. And he
1: says, the only way you can play is if you play from the heart. I think um, those days were different completely. I mean, you had more of freedom in terms of a lot of things. I think... uh, Hockey was different. Technically, it was very different. Today, it would be wrong to say that the players don't play from the heart and then there's something else that makes them play. No, absolutely not. I mean, this is a great bunch that, playing, that that's playing the sport right now. Whether you saw them at the 2018 World Cup, which was a close match with Holland, it could have gone any, anywhere. Yeah. I mean, that match could have gone anywhere. I completely believe. And there were moments when I think the Dutch were being beaten back. You know, they 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 were about to concede a goal or two, but it just didn't happen, you know, and then and, and those small little mistakes that usually happen from our side happen. But this this bunch, this bunch can break into the top two. They have the strength, they have the courage, they have the skill. And I just hope Graham Reid, I mean I I always have a issue in terms of how far can a coach take them and do we always select the right coach. I don't know. If Graham can take them to the Olympic final, if at all Tokyo happens, then then probably a coach has done his job. At this point of time, I think if India goes to the semi-finals, that itself would be a huge step. But for this team, team, I can tell you categorically, going to the semi-finals is not going to be a big thing for them. For them personally, they would want to be playing that final. And uh, if I remember my conversation with Shane McLeod, of course, that was a that was an interview uh, written on the mail. Um, he said that probably India-Belgium final in Tokyo, but that was before the COVID happened.
0: Well, considering we've not, I think our last semi-final was, if you exclude Moscow, um, well, there was in the yeah. semi-final in Moscow anyway. But if you exclude Moscow Olympics, our last semi-final was in. 72, I think. And in the World Cup, the last time we made the last four was when we won it in 75. So if people think we are short of a spinal place, uh, that's a lot of confidence. I know we're in the top four, but the margins yeah. in the top six, like you say, against Holland in the 2018 World Cup, the margins are so tight. that It's oh, yeah. on the day. Anybody can beat anybody.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I mean, like, like the way you said, I think if you take Moscow out, and uh, your last final was uh, 64, the one that you won. Yes. Yeah. Then 1964, again in Tokyo, that was the last time. That was, uh, that was the great man, Prithipal Singh, scoring those goals
0: yeah yeah absolutely uh, the absolute golden age that was wasn't it? pity with there were more world cups then because we would have had a few more world cup titles but uh if there was a world cup played during that era um but just going back to uh muhammad jade um and everybody uh, associated with hockey the lover of hockey there's that infamous day in delhi at the asian games the final um do you think that team was scarred by that for a long time losing to Pakistan in such a manner in our home turf.
1: It was, it was. It's its a difficult thing to throw off, even though we beat Pakistan within three or four months when we were playing the Isanda in Australia. Australia, I think, yeah. I think we beat them 2-1 in that match. But, you know, those matches come and go. The Isanda is not the Asian Games, and neither is Isanda. New Delhi, National Stadium, a packed stadium. Your Prime Minister sitting there who walks off at the halftime you know all those things that they, they leave a, they, they leave a long standing um, mark on you as a player as a person You go back home the millions of questions i i bet if that final would have been played anywhere else things would have been different but but in india in new delhi and asian games i mean god i mean it was i mean we carried it on i mean i was i was just out of school i was just out of school and i couldn't come to terms with it for a couple of months i said what the hell has happened? And how did it happen? So just imagine the players. Yeah. Just imagine Colonel Balveer Singh till today, even when he speaks to me, he says, let's not go back to 82. Let's not ask. Let's not... You don't ask me anything about that because I know you always have a million questions, but I don't want to answer. What has happened has happened. It's gone. It's over. It's done with. But it never gets done with, you know. It never gets done with. And... Um, it,
0: uh, that that's It's a... I mean, we've had a lot of success since then, especially since 2013, 14, 15. We've won Asian Cups, uh, Asian got games medals. But that game, I don't know, for whatever reason, still resonates. And um, when I was reading your book, it just reminded me that we beat Pakistan in 2003, 7-4 in the Champions Trophy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, And a lot of people were saying this is payback. But I don't know if that date, why didn't that date resonate with me? Does, Does that resonate? Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, so
0: yeah. The victory didn't mean that much to me. Was it because it was in our own national stadium?
1: That's why we remember that more I
0: think
1: than so. the 7-4. Yeah, yeah. We, we beat them again uh, at the national stadium. If we recall, 7-something in the World Cup? 2010? India-Pakistan? In the 2010 World Cup? Yeah. and And... It still didn't, it didn't bring you that feeling that what happened in 82 was something special. I was there in Amsterdam when we beat them 7-4. And I still remember I was supposed to do live for television. And uh, my office had given me six minutes to do live. But the moment that 7-4 happened and they, at that time, you know, doing live was expensive. You know, you had to yeah. take a satellite link and all that. All that stuff used to happen. I went on for half an hour. And the office said, you know, first they were saying, you know, what is the, requ- what's the requirement, you know, why, why should we waste all these dollars? And then suddenly for half an hour, they said, okay, fine, go with it, go with it, go with it, you know, and at the end, and I still remember in the studio was Zafar Iqbal in my television, in, in oh, my wow. office studio. Of all the people. And, and, yeah. And, and I, and I, I somehow, I don't know, it just slipped out of my mouth. I think it was excitement. I said, Zafar, my, for that loss that you guys had Today, the revenge has been you know i felt bad after that because <laughs> that's not what i meant
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I
1: honestly didn't mean that it just, it just <laughs> i mean it was amazing and because we had to run immediately after the match to do the live so the emotion was still there i mean it was just going on and on and, and you would remember we were losing that match
0: 4-1 4-1 yeah uh, half time i think it was as well isn't yeah, yeah. it I,
1: finally to win. And Dhanraj didn't score in that match. Yes. Yeah.
0: With seven goals and there was no goal. Um, but, um, no, it's just… it just um, You know, I don't know. It, uh, it just brought back memories that we did beat him and 7-4 um, in that. And a lot of people were saying yeah. that it was payback for Delhi. But I don't know why that date didn't remind me. It was thanks to your book that I was reminded of that victory. And you just reminded me of the World Cup victory. I think it was Um, 3-1 or 4-1, something like that, in Delhi. Yeah, you're quite right. Uh, But uh, it's the defeats that hurt, and they're the skies that are deeper, I suppose. Um, But um, this book, I found it incredible, like I said. It talks you through the major tournaments that you covered, and you've been very lucky, I'll be honest with you, um, uh, covering so many Olympics, World Cups, and you get a really good insight into the team workings. Um, Do you think, having covered so many World Cups, the, how we prepare because I know there's controversy about the preparations before. Is that improving in India's hockey?
1: Oh yes I think if you if you really look at the last four or five years and uh, uh, I really I really feel a little sad about the Jakarta Asian games. I think uh, that team uh, would have won the Asian games. you know on any other day we would have beaten Malaysia completely i mean it was just it's just stupid mistake i just even now i can imagine harman preaching singh having the ball and the clock sticking away and his scoop which which is such a reliable scoop you know at any given point of time he can scoop it till the end of the ground and there his scoop doesn't even have that much of strength it's half a scoop and it goes straight to a malaysian player i think even he knows that. Out of 100 times, he probably would have got it 100 times, you know. And that was that one, one moment. And then whole match turns around. But that particular match, that particular game, I think you take that away. I think India was top class in the Asian Games, even though one can always have a question mark on the amount of teams we face. But if you recall that match, India versus Japan, I think we beat them 8-0 or something. That first half was breathtaking hockey was breathtaking hockey. They didn't commit a single mistake. It was, everything was laid out. You know, everything went to plan. And that is where I say, I think the preparations with all these inputs that are coming in, I think that's that's one area where we are improving. The other area is that the players now consciously know what the competition is also. You may say, I may say, and anybody else might say a lot of things about the Federation. But one good thing that they've done is that they've improved in one area, which is giving Indian team a lot more international competition to play. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. constantly sending them, you know, getting beaten, winning more matches. Mm-hmm. I think that's one area where we always fail. But now these boys, then know. And especially the Hockey India League. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, um, I, I agree with you that, uh, in the sense that the uh, past few years, in, uh, I've seen from the outside as a layperson that there seems to be a uh, definite um, improvement in our performance, and that has obviously reflected in the preparation and what goes into building the team. Um, but in terms of um, just digressing slightly, and I, while our international team is improving, and you can see that from the um, uh, the rankings, uh, the domestic hockey, and you mentioned the India uh, Hockey League, the uh, Pro League, uh, Premier Hockey League, I think it was called, uh, but the lack of uh, effort or financial support for any sort of structure domestically. It, what what was the reason for that? I mean, why is there just a concentration on a national
1: team? I think um... It simply boils down to the fact that there's a lot of funding that come comes in when the national team does well. And you may keep doing you may have a very well structured domestic layout, but that's not what really excites everybody, which which I think is the wrong thing to do because whatever oh, wow. we are today is because of HIL, it's because of the Hockey India League. Yeah. And if you remember all those big games, whether they was in the Shivaji Stadium, whether it was the Nehru Cup, the Bombay Gold Cup. Whether it was tournaments in Punjab, in UP, in Beighton Cup, in Calcutta, yeah. they were big, big tournaments. You virtually completely van. Those tournaments are vanishing. Today, the fan doesn't have anything to see except watch the Indian team on television. Exactly. Yeah. Where, where do they go? Where do I go to watch the local matches? You're not. You're not actually doing anything at the grassroots level. And this is what's going to come and bite them in the ass sometime later. It's not going to right now. <clears throat> but if there is a dip, the lack of domestic hockey. Is, is really going to kill them. And again, um, it's it's like more of academies in Punjab that are now supplying. I mean, you look at this present team, I think out of the 18 or 16 which get selected, 10 are from Punjab. So it's, it's already lopsided. Two, three years of less talent from Punjab and, and you're going to have a problem. I think... They really need to focus. What they really—I mean—it is imperative. It is the most important thing to focus on a local league, on on the national league, at least.
0: And that's why I can't understand that uh, why was the Hockey India League not continued? Why are not these major tournaments that I grew up with, uh, you know, reading about? Not grew up with as physically there, but reading about, you know, the Baiting Cup, the Bombay Gold Cup, and uh, the other tournaments you mentioned. Why can't they uh, focus on that? Is it because you know the federation is doing it, it reminds me a little bit of about the american women's soccer team they've got no structure below it all the focus is on the national team but like yeah. you say someday that's it, it that can't work continuously if you've got nothing coming up from uh, the ground root, uh, the, the ground upwards
1: uh, what's i think I, think I think they need to learn lessons from the south korean uh, team there was a time when, when their domestic league, even though the domestic league had 8 or 12 teams, but those tournaments, I remember Kim telling me that those tournaments were played regularly. That is where he found his players. Then suddenly there was a dip. That dip came when the league was suspended, the tournaments were not happening, players were not coming up, the army was refusing to give the players to the domestic league. And then suddenly Korea was out. Korea was nowhere for 5-6 years. They're still struggling to come back. I think... The Indian Hockey Federation, the Hockey India as it is, they try and link everything with television money. I think that is wrong. That is completely wrong. You cannot get crores and crores and millions and millions of dollars just because your team is number four or number five. Mm. Your domestic, leads, domestic league needs to be away from... If you don't get a TV sponsor, if you don't have live television, that doesn't mean that the league cannot happen. You still have people coming in to watch this in, inside the stadium. Give them the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. And I think if they're going to follow cricket and expect more cricket, if you look at cricket, I mean, obviously we've got an extremely successful national team. We've got a, the best T20 league in the world, but our domestic structure is still there in terms oh, of yeah. the, the Ranji Trophy and the League oh, Trophy yeah. and the Zonal Tournaments yeah. are still there. So you got, um, I was talking about cricket the other day and I couldn't believe how many teams there are in the Ranji Trophy. There's 28, tr- and that, your base yeah. is already expanded and i um, really struggle to see why the federation hockey federation cannot see we need a good domestic structure i just can't and it's disappointing because it, you look forward to these tournaments and these legendary teams participating and winning and obviously the hockey india league i think bringing in international players we know it worked i think in my opinion that improved our players and the young players but um oh yeah
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, it's it was really disheartening when they said, you know, that wasn't gonna come back and there's some talk of a five aside or something like that coming side. it's not the same. I, least, I'm not the one who's gonna
1: watch five aside. I mean it, I have no interest. I mean yeah. five aside hockey is not hockey. I mean, like you might no. as well Shorten. I mean, you just might as well create a half a stadium and do whatever you want, but then don't make it the big game.
0: Yeah, I've not spoken to anybody who's interested in that actually. So yeah, I don't know where they're coming from that one. But uh, Sandeep, look, I've just seen the time, and uh, I feel so guilty for keeping you on so long. But yes, I knew it'd be incredible. I think I, when we were planning this, I said that um, I've got so much to talk to you about because I know your passion for hockey, and you've witnessed (laughs) so many huge tournaments and games. Any tournament that really, I mean, the biggest tournament is still awaited when we won the World Cup or get a medal at the Olympics. So that's still to come. But in terms of the ones you've seen, um, any that stand out for you?
1: Of course. I mean, um, for me, 1994 would always be the ones that I always remember fondly. I mean, that's what struck me about hockey as a sport, the excitement, the speed, you know, all of that. I mean, those two tournaments, I can never, never forget. But this one match, I'll never forget. And that was the 1999 Asia Cup, if I still recall. At the Bukit Jalil Stadium in Kuala Lumpur. India versus South Korea. Semi-final, I think. And it was one of the most brilliant matches I've ever seen. I think Korea won 4-3 in the last minute. With 40 seconds or one minute to go. But it was a ding-dong battle. And I I can still imagine that match. It was Baljeet and Dhanraj at their best. South Korea at the top of the game. And one of the most brilliant, brilliant matches I have ever seen in my life. I mean, amazing stuff, you know. At that time, so yeah, these are the games that I'll, I'll always remember. Shahbaz, mm-hmm. of course, I've already told you. I mean, the great.
0: Player. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think we finished uh, with a bronze medal in that Asia Cup. So wow, that's a incredible insight into that tournament. Um, what's the future for you? I really hope there's some books, more books coming our way, my way.
1: Um. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Prithipal Singh one. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, We already made a film on it. It it was released some five, six years back by PVR. Uh, It won a couple of awards internationally. I think it won in LA and one in Toronto. And uh, the book should be out before the Olympic Games. And whether the Olympics are held or not, the book should be out next year early.
0: And can I ask, um, obviously this is uh, the film, I wasn't, I'll i be honest with you, I wasn't aware of. But, uh, but, but of course, I am aware of. Why did you choose uh, prepulsing Singh? For the...
1: uh, Singh, 1960, 64, 68. Three Olympic medals. Uh, 60 silver, 64 gold, 68 bronze. Uh, top scorer for India in all the three Olympic games. One are the big penalty corner experts. But at the same time, the twist in the story comes. Uh, uh, he is probably, uh, if I'm... Correct. The second gold medalist to have been shot dead. Right. Um, okay. The Another one was, um, I'm forgetting the name of the movie. It was a Hollywood film, couple of Oscars, their nominations uh, about this wrestler, 1984 LA Olympics. He was killed also. So Prithipal right. was shot dead in 1983. He was the director of the university, Punjab Agriculture University. And he was shot right in front of the vice chancellor's office. So that's, that's where... The second part of the book comes in, you know, the entire story of what happened, what didn't happen, that murder, all of that.
0: All right, thank okay. you. Um, I really look forward to that, seeing that book, um, reading about that story, and you've just given me an insight that I wasn't aware of, but that is, uh, really looking forward to that. Anything else um, we should look out for from yourself?
1: Well, let's hope uh Indian hockey wins, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, really looking forward to Tokyo happening so that we do something out there.
0: I think if anybody deserves to see that day, it's yourself. Having covered so many major events and seen Indian hockey, sometimes at its lowest level, and still persevered and still writing about hockey, I can't, you know, I hope sincerely. Uh, that you see that day, um, but uh, Sandeep, I can't thank you enough for. Um,
1: no, thank you, uh, thank speaking you. Speaking really to me today,
0: you. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been a personal pleasure speaking to me, uh, speaking to you about hockey. And um, if you're ever in the UK, please let me know. It'll be really good to speak to you.
1: Um,
0: I'm already looking forward sure. to the. Um, I think Pro League is in May. The India team is coming here.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're coming down.
0: Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. But um, please stay safe and
1: thank, thank you, you so, so much, much. thank you take care thank you thank you bye